Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Syrupcast. If you're tuning into the Syrupcast for the first time, it's a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech site, in which we look back at the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. This is episode 166. We're recording it on Thursday, April 19th, 2008. I'm back from Korea, and this week I'm joined uh, by Mobile Syrup Managing Editor Patrick O'Rourke. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. I'm back. I see a cigarette in your hand. What's going on? It's, it's been a long week. Taxes, man. Tax. You have to chain smoke while you do your taxes. That's just how it works. And while we're reporting on the news, obviously. Of course. Um, at the end of the podcast, we'll finish with uh, tax tips from Pat, uh, in which he'll tell you uh, how to uh, perform tax evasion. Uh, I will. <laughs> just kidding. Not hope that, I hope the CRA is not listening. They probably are. I'm also joined... Uh, by Samir Chabra, staff reporter here at Mobile Syrup. It took me crossing or going to the entire other side of the world, but I finally got Samir's title right for once. Samir, how are you? I'm I'm doing well, Igor. What did you so used glad. to call him? Uh, staff. Staff writer. Staff Obviously. Writer. Staff writer. Yeah. Well, that's technically not wrong, right? No, it's not wrong. He's like, staff. You are employed by Mobile Syrup. Syrup. True, true. But it's so the staff isn't the problem. It's the writer versus reporter distinction. Oh, yeah. Reporter yeah. sounds better. I remember this argument in the oh, office. Oh, yeah. Mostly, I just called them intern, which, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that escalated. Yeah. Um, Samir uh, just came back from New York City, um, and his trip to New York will comprise the bulk of his, uh, the bulk of our conversation. Uh, so, Samir, you were in New York for the Moto launch, which we can now talk about because it is out in the world. There are new phones. Are they exciting? What is the news? Tell me. So... Is it exciting is a question that we're going to have to talk about a little bit, but just uh, let, let's summarize. So um, I was in New York City, I'm going to say yesterday, but of course yesterday is April 18th, 2018, for mm-hmm. the reveal, announcement, launch, whatever you want to call it, the pre-briefing for the Moto G6, the Moto G6 Play, the Moto E5 Plus, and the Moto E5 Play. That's a lot of phones. That's a lot of phones, and it's funny that it's a lot of phones because actually, technically speaking, Motorola today announced six phones. They also announced a Moto G6 Plus as well as a standalone Moto E5. Those phones are not coming to the U.S. or Canada mm-hmm. uh, for the foreseeable future. They're going to be coming to Latin America, um, Asia Pacific, and Europe. Um, they are fine mid-range phones. They seem to be relatively affordable. Uh, if we're you know assuming that the U.S. dollar to Canadian dollar conversion is going to be one to one, it might not be. So the Moto G6 we uh, is going to be 249 US. The Moto G6 Play is going to be 199 US, and then the E5 Plus and the E5 Play we don't really uh, have pricing for that. That's all going to be carrier determined. Is it exciting? A little bit. It's exciting because Motorola has released some pretty decent mid-range. One might even say like lower mid-range phones because they mm-hmm. all have the Snapdragon. The Moto E certainly. The Moto E definitely. Moto mm-hmm. E I would even say is a budget. Like the Moto E5 Play. Um, it's this like plastic 5.2 inch HD LCD display phone. You can not only is it plastic, this is kind of cool. 
and interesting and weird for 2018, you can remove the back and also replace the battery. What is this, 2008? I mean, seriously, it's crazy. It'd be nice crazy. to go back to the uh, Obama years, but that's, that's the, the first time I've heard in a long time of a phone where you can replace the battery. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting, right? It's very interesting um, because the Moto E5 Plus, which is supposed to be the, you know, the, the, the older sibling for the E5 and the E5 Play, glass back, glass front, of course, non-removable battery. Mm-hmm. So it's like their lowest tier budget phone is this throwback to 2008, 2010, it's um, a good year, good year, man. Good oh, year. well, great stuff happened, right? Also, uh, you know, fun tidbit about the Moto E, the year in which the original one was released, it was the best-selling phone in Canada. Really? Mm-hmm. I remember you writing that story. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of history, a little bit of history here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that they're interesting phones because, like I wrote in my uh, hands-on, they're sort of moving this middle forward. Um, you know, we're seeing smartphones getting more expensive. We're seeing uh, high-end premium tier Android flagship devices going, you know, 1,000, 1,200, you know, 1,300 in some cases. And there's always this concern on my part that the lower end is going to be more expensive as well. Um, but it doesn't really seem to be the case. It seems like, uh, you know, Motorola is trying to stick within that 100 to $300 price range for these smartphones mm-hmm. in, in U.S. dollars. So, you know, that take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But it's good to see that, you know, quote-unquote mid-range phones are, are like, looking great, by the way, I should mention. Mm-hmm. These are very attractive phones. Um, like, the Moto G6 uh, does not look like a $249 smartphone. It's got a glass back and a glass front. Not super slim bezels, but certainly slimmer bezels. Uh, clicky buttons, a dual camera setup. It, it actually kind of reminds me a lot of the Moto X4, which did mm-hmm. not come to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, again, it's got that like premium look to it, mm-hmm. which is nice. And even the E5 Plus, which is very much a lower end smartphone, glass front and back, does not have a dual camera setup, but it's got that nice little, uh, you know, round flourish ring thing that Motorola has been doing with their smartphones. Mm-hmm. Rear facing fingerprint sensor integrated into the Batwing Motorola symbol, six inch display, 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Um, the only thing really that separates these phones, and which we should also i guess argue talk about discuss is that they don't have uh, a snap qualcomm snapdragon 630 chipset Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be the mid-range chipset they've got the 450 427 435 and 425 which are one would say um upper low tier or lower Mm -hmm. mid-range that's the only thing really you know separating these from what one might say are, are true when you were phones. using it though did you feel like that affected the performance of the phone at all not in the g6 or the g6 play of course i haven't played with the g6 the g6 plus by the way that's that you know the non-us canadian phone that has a 630 in it mm-hmm. so that's interesting but the e5 plus was a little laggy interesting. and the e5 play was um yeah the 425 was not doing that phone any favors the two gigs of ram not doing that phone any favors so Android not doing those phones any favors. Haha, <laughs> that's a uh, controversial statement. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bit of a controversial. Well, you know, it's oh, near wait. stock Android, probably. Sure, but you know, wait like a year when that Android yeah, line yeah, yeah, creeps yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Moto E5 Play I don't see as a phone that's future proof. So I make these jokes as an Android user, FYI, readers. Before you get into my DMs, <laughs> I'm the only one who really thinks that all Android phones are are trash. Just read my S9 review. Well, that doesn't seem true at all. You really like I'm joking. I'm being sarcastic, obviously. Android equals malware. Continue. Oh yes. my goodness. Oh, we're going there. We're going there. So yeah, so the Moto E5 Play doesn't look like a phone that's really that's that's future proofed. In fact, it doesn't look mm-hmm. like a phone that belongs in 2018 at all. And I, I I mean that literally. Like it looks like an older phone, 
Um, the removable back, removable battery, sure, but like the the display is twelve eighty by seven twenty. That's not really a beautiful looking screen. It it kind it's kind of like it's it's literally baby's first smartphone in a lot That's of ways. Seven twenty p though, right? Twelve eighty by seven. Yeah, that is seven twenty p. That bad for a mid-range yeah, it's an device. All things considered. Well, I mean, so like, it's not bad for like a low-end phone, right? Which is what yeah. the E5 Play is. It's what the Nintendo be. Switch has, which makes oh, no boy, sense yeah. as a comparison. That's yep. Or that makes, makes all the sense as a comparison. That's true. Continue. Um, I mean, so yeah, there's kind of a comparison there because, of course, the E5 Plus has a six, and this, this is where things get weird. Also, ignoring the G6 series of phones, which are you know mid-range to like upper mid-range. The E5 series, with the E5 Plus especially, with its 6-inch, 18-by-9 uh, aspect ratio screen, 3 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of expandable storage. Like, it's it's a phone that, if it wasn't for the Snapdragon 435, if it had, like, a 630 or a 450, like the G6, I would say, you know, the, the E5 Plus is the phone to have of this series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, uh, it, it's got that 435. And it, it's not incredibly sluggish. It's not. But it is a little slower, and you can feel it. Do you think uh, you know Motorola is doing itself a favor? And I mean, and by extension, Lenovo through uh, Motorola by releasing so many phones. It seems to me like, like I don't know what they're going for with all these phones. I mean, I guess let me take a step back. Um, I think for the like low end and mid range markets, it does make sense to kind of there be a lot of price gradation because at that point like the kind of pricing um stress as it were is very acute right in the sense that like every dollar counts for consumers at that point it's right? the sony strategy right yeah. i see that with to yeah. an extent with their devices every year yeah you know like they they're just like here's a bunch of devices <laughs> right um um but yeah so to return to the original question are they doing themselves a favor by releasing that there this many phones? And I think, you know, for Motorola specifically, like they've had a tough couple of years. Is this the way forward for them? I think in answering that question, it's important to remember that Motorola and, and Lenovo through Motorola, they're not really releasing phones exclusively for the U S or Canadian consumers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, it's not like these devices are specifically aimed at, you know, the budget conscious Canadian uh, it, it's really more for those Asian European markets where you have a, a variety of different manufacturers, some of which you know we don't know about that we've never even heard of releasing smartphones. And in that sense, you know you can look at this as a good idea for market penetration because in that way, you've got you, you know you, you can sell to budget conscious consumers, you can sell to people who are looking for just a simple smartphone, just a simple Android phone that gets the job done, mm-hmm. and you can sell and start staggering the sales towards you know the more mid-range to upper mid-range market as well because mm-hmm. it's important to remember that in places like india the moto g6 is typically or sorry the moto g typically is one of the best-selling smartphones in the country mm-hmm. and it is because it's so affordable it is because it it, it provides users with quality performance um and and you know the camera is, is hit and miss but that's that is what it is that dual camera is is is, is helpful mm-hmm. so i guess the to answer your question, I don't know if this is a smart idea. I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a, a smart idea for some, you know, a place like Canada or the U.S., mm. where even if you know you 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 come from a certain income bracket, you're most likely going to want to get a subsidized iPhone or a subsidized uh, Galaxy device. Mm-hmm. But in places like 
China and places like India and places like Singapore. This is it's it's not a terrible idea. Um. So right around. Uh, so as Samir was finishing this article, uh, Pat, you were working on a kind of retrospective on the iPhone 10, and I it think was. it's interesting to just kind of think about the iPhone 10 kind of in uh, in in contrast to these devices, right? And you know, I think if we just like specs aside and just kind of look at the um, through line through your um, through these phones is that for the price, these phones do like literally 99% of what the iPhone 10 does for a lot more money. Yep. Um, what do you think a phone like the iPhone 10 and it's kind of uh, very expensive, you know, predis or uh, excuse me, contemporaries stands when there's these phones like this that do so much of what the iPhone does for so little money, right? Like, is there really a market anymore? I wonder for people to buy these really expensive phones. The comparison that I've uh, used on this podcast a number of times is mm -hmm. is that the higher end smartphones are sort of like supercars, whereas mm -hmm. these mid tier phones are more like you know your your Toyota Corollas and your Honda Civics. Um, but of course. The question of whether or not it makes sense for an Apple or a Samsung or, uh, you know, an LG to release a high-end flagship you know, sub $1,000 smartphone in this market, it, it's kind of moot at this point because we know for a fact that there there's a clear market for it and people mm -hmm. are going to buy these devices. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, it, it, I think we should make that comparison, you know, between supercars and just regular day-to-day -day, uh, vehicles that we see on the on the road. But at the same time, we should remember that there are more people buying iPhone 10s than there are people buying Lamborghinis. That is a statistic that I have not looked up, but I'm assuming <laughs> it's call true. You, on it. It, yeah. it, you know, in my mind, I just feel like it's true. But either way, that's that, that's kind of the way I think mm -hmm. about it. It's also, like, to an extent, the law of diminishing returns, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sure, they can do the same things, but generally the iPhone 10 in pretty much every category is going to do um, anything that you need to do better than than a mm -hmm. mid-range phone is it worth that extra cost it depends on the consumer right some mm -hmm. people want to pay that premium for device that um depending on how you look back how you look at it is arguably way better or maybe just a little bit better mm -hmm. at, at specific tasks um and I, I i do think it's it's fascinating that this kind of ultra premium high-end market now exists you have the note 8 you have the iphone 10 um even like the plus version of the iPhone, just the regular iPhone 8, that's a ton of money now. Mm -hmm. um, the same with the S9 and the, the S9 Plus. The S9 Plus, I think, in Canada, it's well over $1,000. Mm -hmm. um, or if, if not, pretty close. Uh, so there's this, this kind of ultra-premium market. So what Samir was saying makes an awful lot of sense to me. It's like mm -hmm. the, the Lamborghini of smartphones, and there'll always be someone around who wants that, that fancy device. Mm-hmm. Um, in returning to the iPhone, what was the kind of sense and feeling you got about the phone? Was it like, you know, what was different from your review? What did you feel strongly? What did you kind of feel less strongly about? Uh, in my initial review, one of the things that uh, I think I was pretty hesitant about because I didn't, as with all Apple reviews, I didn't have a lot of time with the device before mm -hmm. having to put my thoughts down on, on, on the internet about it. Um, mm -hmm. And the gestures were something that I felt was very very confusing when I first touched the phone. I, I didn't know how to drop down the the uh, notification panel. I didn't mm -hmm. know how to multitask. When I did get multitask multitasking finally working, it just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to do this motion where you swipe up and then you hold it there for a second. Mm 
Um, and for probably my first couple of days with the phone, I felt lost. Like it was just really frustrating. It wasn't what I was used to with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, but now when I talk about this a lot in the piece that I wrote, I find it difficult to go to any other device because those gestures all feel natural. They feel smart. They feel intelligent. It sounds like I'm drinking Apple's Kool-Aid from, from their event. Mm, that delicious Kool-Aid. It tastes so good. Yeah. Um, because f- that's what they were saying at the event. But they really do make a lot of sense. And then when you were editing my piece, you pointed out that Mm. Um, I think it was XDA developers did did a story about how um, basically uh, all the gestures that are on the iPhone are coming to Android to, to in Android, some form. Yeah, yeah, coming to Android at some point. So I mean, they obviously made sense if if mm. Android's copying them. Um, but that was I, I think probably the main thing. I I thought it was ridiculous that Apple was changing all this just to build a phone, um, just to build a phone that didn't feature Touch ID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I find it very difficult to use any other device because I'm so used to all those gestures. Mm-hmm. So would you say compared to the review, are you now more positive on the phone than you were before? Uh, I think I'm more positive on certain aspects of the phone and then mm-hmm. other ones I'm a little more negative. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I like to focus on with reviews is build quality. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very nice looking phone. I think it's uh, put together, like aesthetically it's very pleasing depending mm-hmm. on your taste. Uh, but one of the things that I liked about it was the stainless steel rim around it. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of that in my review. Not so much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it made the phone stand out. Now I kind of feel that it's a little too flashy. It also gets scratched up really, really easily and starts to look pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person um, that keeps their phone in a case, right? So, about it, yeah. So if someone doesn't have this phone in a case, imagine what that's going to look mm-hmm. like, right? It'll, it'll be just covered in scuffs. So that, that was another thing that I was... I was pretty positive about in the initial review and now looking back at it six months later, I don't know if that was the right decision. And I get why they did it. It's supposed to be an anniversary device. It's supposed to be a throwback to the the 3GS. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Which featured that stainless steel rim. Um, So I can appreciate it in that sense. But I mean, scratch the hell at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, the most interesting, you know, uh, takeaway for me in reading your piece was, uh, and something I've thought about a lot is like, uh, you make the point that like, for most people who uh, really don't like the notch, it's coming from the vast majority, it's coming from people who haven't used the phone with a notch, right? And I think so much of this is, at least the way I see it is like, you can't really judge a book, a movie, or a phone for that matter, until you really use it, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to have this kind of firsthand experience with it. Um, and that was kind of the point you were getting at, which was like, yeah, at first you were like, eh, it's not maybe the most attractive. It's weird, right? It's, it's weird. It's undeniably it's, weird. It's it's different. But then you use it and you're kind of like, well, there are much worse sins this phone could have committed. Right? I Honestly, like after the first week, I... And it's kind of funny. I keep talking about the first week, and this is a six month later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I forgot that it was there. Mm-hmm. I I didn't notice it, and when I did notice it, um, it grew on me. Mm-hmm. It, it make it gives the phone a very unique look. Like it makes it stand out from other handsets on the mm-hmm. market. Like we see a lot of phones; they're all basically slabs of 
plastic or stainless steel or whatever type of metal with some glass on them. Um, and it's very hard to differentiate that kind of core design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I grew to appreciate uh, the notch um, in the sense that it was it was clever of Apple to kind of change that design in a, in a very somewhat subtle way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do understand why some people hate it, but uh, I think a lot of those individuals just haven't tried it. I think that, yeah, that's a really great point. Like, I, I'm just thinking now to my trip to Korea and I just, you know, as I like to do when I'm on the subway, I like to look around, what see what phones people have and just to see what they're using, right? And the one phone that always stood out was the iPhone 10, right? Because it did very much look different than all, like it's it has this kind of profile and look that is unmistakable compared to, at least at this point, you know, this juncture, very soon, like, all phones are going to look like the iPhone 10. Yeah. Right. Um, for better or worse. For better yeah. or worse. Right. Um, but like it stood out so much among the crowd. Right. And this is in like one of the busiest metro systems in the world. Right. Where everyone's connected. Right. Is constantly using their phone uh, because, you know, Korea is a civilized country and you have LTE service in the metro. Uh, <laughs> and you were telling me that the iPhone is the biggest phone brand it's in, actually in South so, Korea, right right so while i was at south in south korea i did a little press tour with lg and i just started asking them you know my handler uh or my babysitter your babysitter uh, <laughs> that is babys- that is really what it's like basically yeah, your babysitter. It, yeah so you know my babysitter made sure that i didn't embarrass or start uh, a nuclear war with south north <laughs> korea um and uh or, you know, uh, spy certain phones that may or may not be announced. Um, I'm sure if you did happen to see that phone you're talking about, they would have just sent you straight to the demilitarized zone. Yes. Um, I did see a G7. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're ignoring all subtext. We're getting right to it. Um, we were circling around it. My goodness. What's the G7? Uh, I have no knowledge of the, the G7. The think? G7 think? Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of this G7 of which you speak. Such yeah. a horrible name. Um. Note to companies, don't leave uh, devices on <laughs> testing machines yeah. when a journalist is walking around. Um, anyway, I was asking my babysitter, um, I was just like, hey, like, you know, what is, you know, what is the most popular brand? Like, how does LG fare in this? And surprisingly, he told me 40%, the dominant uh, or the one with the biggest share is the iPhone with 40%. And then... At least according to them, LG and Samsung have the other 30 evenly split. I don't know I if I believe suspect. that. That sounds a little suspect. But, uh, hey. uh, but, you know, take it for what you will. So I guess Korean brands hold the majority of the uh, market share, which seemed to align with what I saw anecdotally, at least. Um, and definitely, yeah. So the thing they said is, you know, uh, and, you know, putting aside the sexism for a moment, uh, they said, you know, most women preferred the iPhone in Korea because it is, quote, simpler and more elegant. That's also why Patrick prefers the iPhone. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, <laughs> it just works. It, it, quote, just works. It just works. Um, and The phone. Sorry, not the sexism. Yes. <laughs> hey, that the, is an important <laughs> Just in case people weren't sure. Um, uh, yeah, so definitely, like, lots of iPhones more than you would think. Um, which, well, what was the factory like? The factory was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so due to the fact that they were quote unquote ramping up for something, what phone were they ramping I, up I for? Have no I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it's possible that I might be seeing this phone at some point soon. I don't know. Yeah. And the fact that like, quote, 
due to security reasons, <laughs> I was not allowed to go onto the actual factory floor. I had to like look through a window. Um, and the most interesting takeaway is that it is way more, it is less automated than you think it is. Really? In fact, the majority, so there's this, uh, I believe it's called the SMT, which is surface mounting technology. So one floor was devoted to this part where it is literally like a machine is stamping the PCB and like putting together all the, um, the like actual silicon, right? But then when it comes to actually putting the everything else together, like the display, the phone and putting it all together, that's all done by hand. Really? Uh, yeah, and that's a separate floor. Um, and the majority of, they won't tell you this, but the majority of uh, people on the assembly floor are women, and they're also contract workers. They're not employees of LG. They are, uh, and they're not either, they're also not Korean nationals. They're people from other countries that are working in Korea. Um, so capitalism 101, right? Um, and they're putting all the phones together piece by piece. Um, and LG likes to say that their assembly line is quote unquote, um, it is um, test focused, right? Um, what does that mean? So it means that like along every part of the process, there's like a machine like doing some kind of random testing to ensure that the phone kind of meets up to spec. And they're just like the most like interesting and strange machines you've ever seen in your life. Like there's one that just inserts It'll turn the phone around so it's like the bottom is facing up and so that the headphone jack is accessible. And then it'll just plug, continuously plug a 3.5 headlet <laughs> plug over and over again. Over and over. <laughs> I love the. I, I wish that this was a video podcast. Yeah, so just you, so you could see, see the motion that Igor is yeah. making where he's taking his finger and putting it into an invisible plug over and <laughs> yes. over again. It's great. Not sexually at all. No, no, uh, not at all. This podcast totally hasn't <laughs> gone cool. off the rails. No, no. We... <laughs> I'm gone for two weeks and this is the monster I've become. Um, another phone just like takes what is like essentially a pencil with like the eraser end and just, just like tapping the display to make sure that the kind of the touchscreen works within tolerances. One of the really cool aspects is how they determine whether a phone is um, ready to ship at the whole end of the process is that they weigh every single package at the end. And if it is exactly as it needs to be that phone is set to go right whereas if it's like less or more then they're like hmm <laughs> right because that's a really easy way to determine if someone like you know pocketed a, a g7 or excuse me a v30 or a g6 what if it's the v32 the v35 the v37 Ooh, who knows if you guys, if you guys could see the faces these two are making, yeah. they, they, they have it's like it's a combination of smug and sarcastic. It's it's they incredible. They literally announced the phone. <laughs> yeah. Like we wrote about yeah. it. Like there's a story. If you just Google the phone, it shows up. Like it's mm -hmm. kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and then I also um, got to interview uh, Ken uh, Han. He is like the head of L LG kind of global communications. Really interesting guy. Um, and kind of what was really interesting was he was kind of just telling me the history of LG and stuff. And what's really fascinating when you're in Korea is you don't really get a sense of just, or you do at a certain point get a sense of how much LG, Samsung, and like these other like multinational companies that are Korean owned, owned by families, uh, really prominent Korean families in Korea, uh, like a Hyundai, 
Hyundai is literally everywhere. No one drives like uh, European cars and specifically Japanese cars are really? like, a rare sight in Seoul specifically, but throughout all of Korea. And then Kias and Hyundais are everywhere. I have an important question for yes. you. Did you meet any esports megastars? I did not. No professional StarCraft II players. <sighs> I know, okay. wasted trip. Okay. Lol, right. Dota, anything. Hearthstone? No. No. Okay. I, you know, I was just too busy enjoying the food. Would you really blame me? No, I no, don't. No, not really. No, I don't. No, no. Um, yeah, so um, we're probably running low on time. Um, so I'm going to have articles about all of this uh, within like the week. Whenever, Looking forward to it. Whenever LG lets me publish these. <laughs> to be determined. To be determined. I have uh, a feeling that it may be at the same time as a certain phone. That hasn't been announced. That hasn't been announced, properly. but has been announced that we may see at some point, possibly in the near future. It may also feature a notch, or may not. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, certainly didn't see the G7. Not no. for nothing, but yeah. notch versus no notch, that literally could be any Android smartphone released between now right, yeah. and like 2019. We're actually just talking about the Asus Zenfone 5. That, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. what we're talking surprise about. Guys, surprise, guys. Surprise, guys. Guys, surprise. Yeah. That's the phone we were talking about all the time. You should have known. Uh, Shoutouts? Oh man, I didn't even think about that. It's, As usual, it only sneaks up. Oh, I have one. I have one though. I just gotta open it. Give me okay, a second. Okay. All right, I got so one. Me. I got one. I would like to shout out to the House of Commons committee, uh, the Standing Committee on Access to Information, Privacy, and Ethics. They are currently grilling uh, Facebook and a variety of other tech companies to figure out precisely what happened during the Cambridge Analytica um, and. Not really the aggregate IQ privacy breach, but mostly, you know, Facebook uh, and, and Cambridge Analytica. So I'm shouting out to them. Thank you for doing the work that, you know, no one really wants to do. Um, and hopefully things work out well for the Canadian citizen, resident, and consumer. I'm going to make a shout out about the Nintendo Switch. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a shout out. It's it more wouldn't just... be a syrup cast without a Switch Minute. I've been doing a lot of feature writing this week. But I, I did have time to put together one important story about the Nintendo Switch. So Nintendo recently filed a patent mm -hmm. for displays that can communicate wirelessly. Um, little is really known about it. But what was kind of interesting about this is you can apparently daisy chain, according to the patent, you can daisy chain these displays together um, and they'll still retain their position. So if there's an image, I don't, I'm probably not explaining this very well. <laughs> so if there's an image on it that connected to, to the other one, you could then move that across a table and the actual image would still stay in the same physical position on the screen itself. Cool. Tough concept. Really, really hard to explain. I'm looking at a picture of it right now and it makes mm -hmm. sense. So um, what would this be good for? I guess that's my question. I don't know. Like but Nintendo's, Mario Kart? Would that help? I have okay. no idea, okay. but right. Nintendo's doing crazy stuff right now, right? Like they have Labo, which I think launches today um, or if you go to a certain walmart yeah in patrick's neighborhood <laughs> if you go to a walmart in north etobicoke you could have bought it last week apparently yeah. um yeah they're, they're doing interesting crazy stuff they're working with uh they want to work with startups they're sort of launching this initiative to try to come up with uh various accessories for for, for the switch um and it, yeah it's it's kind of hard to explain this particular patent there, there's diagrams it on, on mobileserve.com in the story that I wrote, and that probably does it better justice. Uh, I'm just interested if it actually becomes a product, how they're going to market it, and pretty much what you said, Samir, is like, what are you going to actually do with it? Because it seems cool, but I don't, I can't think of an example 
um, of a game or an experience that already exists where that would work, right? Which is also kind of exciting because it could be something totally different. And that's it. That's my Switch Minute. That was awesome. I can't wait to see it. Like, I'm actually curious to see what they, you know, put it together with. It kind of looks like a wireless DS. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, some games would connect the two displays. Mm -hmm. Kind of looks like a wireless DS to an extent. Oh, that would be really cool if, like, they could somehow make that work into backward compatibility. I'll I'll turn it around and show you. (sighs) Yep. Yep. See? Cool. Cool. It's pretty weird, but could be cool. Um as one does on planes that are 14 hours long, or excuse me, flights that are 14 hours long. You watch a lot of movies. Uh, so I got to see um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Not a good movie. Don't watch that. Oh, no. I was just going to ask you. Um, Phantom Fred, amazing. Uh, although I didn't quite understand the plot, which I think is the consensus with most people. But how is the acting? But the acting. Oh, my God. Daniel Day-Lewis, please don't retire. I know, I know he's lying about retiring. Was that his last movie? That's what he... "Quote unquote," he's going to allegedly, reportedly, rumors have suggested. He said, "Who even knows anymore?" I'm he's going back too. to cobbling in Florence because cobbling. living his best life. Um, but actually, the one I wanted to recommend is in uh, "In the Fade." It is a German movie, and somehow it says here on Google that it only has 64% on Metacritic. What do the critics know? Um, I really enjoyed it. Diane Kruger was amazing in it. Uh, the acting was superb. The cinematography was sumptuous. Um, and I'm sure. <laughs> you know, that's a great way to describe it. Um, it was tip top. If you get a chance to see this movie, it's also really like timely uh, because it kind of deals with racism, terrorism, all those isms. Um, so yeah, that's my uh, cultural minute. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Syrupcast. It's great to be back. I can't wait to uh, for Pat and I to just descend into more craziness that we're gonna do next week should shout out samir's podcast oh yeah i was gonna don't worry okay (laughs) samir tell us about your pod uh so on this week's episode of viewer experience which went live uh this past tuesday igor and rose helped me talk a little bit about steven soderbergh's unsane it's a Mm -hmm. thriller that was filmed on an iphone 7 plus uh rose Mm -hmm. co-hosted with the you know film critical theory literary part of it Mm -hmm. uh and igor shed some insights onto um Onto smartphone photography and photography in general. Mostly about feelings. And emotionality. Mm-hmm. Emotions are very important. It's a very good episode. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Uh, you can follow Mobile Syrup at Mobile Syrup, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Pat, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke, or you can find me on Mobile Syrup, where I am writing about Nintendo Switch patents and iPhones and stuff. Living his best life. You can find me also on Mobile Syrup, um, living my best life, more or less, you know, writing about privacy policy, all the government fun stuff, uh, as well as on Twitter, at uh, SamirChabra94. And I'm at Igor Bonifacic, and if you want to see pictures from my trip, that's at uh, Kodachrome on uh, Instagram, which is K-O-D-O-C-H-R-O-M-E. Caught that one. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you uh, on the flip side next week when we may or may not talk about a certain phone called the G7 Think. That may or may not exist. What's that? I don't know what that is. It's a Zenfone 5? I don't know. It's a Zenfone 5. Mm, I knew it. I knew it. Peace out.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.